Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, um, did you have fun last week with last week's first message in this series? I had... Okay, let me try again. Did anyone have fun last week for the first part of Pharisectomy? I love this message. I even... Um, talked to somebody this morning who came in and said, I had to read the book this week. Again, it's from Peter Haas, pastor of Substance Church, wrote a book called Pharisectomy. It's incredible. It's a really quick read. And uh, it's one of those you just can't put it down kind of books. And so we looked last week really at how each of us has pets. And not like, not like bulldogs and, you know, um, snickerdoodles, golden doodles, labradoodle, whatever kind of doodle you have. I like snickerdoodles. And uh, we have a golden doodle. But no matter what animal you have, you, each of us has like this pet. So we talked about pet peeves, and we talk about that at the church. Every single one of us has a pet purpose, and we'll talk about that. I'm going to get us all on the same page, so if you missed last week, we're going to allow you to have a nice foundation here this morning. I don't want to go over everything last week. I want to finish last week's message today. Um, but we talked about how when we have something we like within the church, whether it's the structure of a church, whether it's worship of a church, maybe you're like, I hate Christmas music, I love Christmas music, all of those different things. Probably half of us in here are like that, by the way. Half of us love Christmas music, half of us hate Christmas music. You just have a few more weeks left. Um, but we looked at, at the end of the message, what we do with those pet purposes that we have. And we have two options. We can either chain it up, or we can train our pet. And, and when I talk about train, realize that your pet purpose within the church community plays a part, okay? We all play a part of the community. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the worship team or, or the media team in the back or the people who are leading our kids right now um, over on this side. It, it's all of us doing this together. And each of us is going to have a bend towards a particular style, towards a particular item or per, towards a particular thing within the church. And so I'll explain what that means. But I ended service last week saying, you can either chain your pet up and your pet, when, what happens when you chain a pet up? They don't like it after a while. They get mad. They want to like break out of the chain, okay? And we don't want that because then what happens is our pet becomes rabid, not rabbit, rabid, rah, you know, foaming at the mouth. Or what we want to do is train our pet going, I know where my pet fits into this bigger scheme. And so continue to train what your pet purpose is today. And that's what I want to look at. Um, let me ask you this. How often do you chain up what you believe church should be, look, be like, or how often do you train it? There's two different elements to that. Um, last week, I started with some crazy things said to pastors. So this is just meant to be fun. This is meant to really just lighten the mood. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun in church, okay? And uh, this is really, uh, these, are, these are real things actually shared with pastors. I shared a few of them last week. Let me just share you, with you a couple more. If that's okay, would you say yeah? All right. Th this is real. These, these, some of these, by the way, I've put in my own personal ones, and some of them are real from other pastors. I'm not going to tell you which one's which, so you can guess later if you want. The first one is this. Pastor, is what you said Sunday morning really true, or is that just preacher talk? Just preacher talk, man. It's all fictional. We just, we, we lie. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> Number two, my husband won't come to church anymore. Can you force him, please? I would love to. Let's, let's go have that conversation. That's going to go really well. Pastor Chris is a curse word in your house. All right, number three. Would you, no joke, these are real, okay? Not, this is not fictional. Would you agree with us in prayer, Pastor, that the Lord would give us a new car? Dude, I drive a 98 Camry. 
I love my 98 camera. It's like starting to kind of break apart a little bit, but I love it. No, I'm not going to agree with you. <laughs> so, no, number four, you should really consider wearing wrinkle-resistant jeans when preaching. They're less distracting. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> Working on it. All right, um, number five, and this, this one I'll tell you, I get this probably more than any other one, and uh, I'm just going to confession of a, of a pastor here this morning. Do you have a real job or is this all you do? I get this more, no joke. And, and my reaction is usually when I get it now, I'm very sarcastic. And I say, I, I say to people, I, and we talk to, Derek and I talk, we say, let's make sure our hours are below 50 per week. Sometimes they're a little lighter, sometimes they're a little more. And uh, I, I don't think some people know what happens or goes on. But what I say now when I get this question, is I just said, you know what, what's really cool we rely on the Holy Spirit and Sunday morning. It just all happens spontaneously. <laughs> They're like, what? Yeah, message, it writes itself. It's just on the fly. The PowerPoint, it just magically happens. It shows up, you know, and, and I'm going, really? And so I think there's this cultural thing that we don't quite understand what happens, but we're constantly through the week meeting p- people. We're, we're looking through messages. We're talking about services. You know what we did this week? We talked about Easter, and we're already planning for Easter, you know? Like, we're that far ahead going, we've got a plan, make sure this is happening. We coached two different church planners this week. We're, we're helping two different guys, one revitalizing the church and one starting the church. We're helping another church up in Pequot Lakes. If you guys remember, um, he, he was here just a few weeks ago, Pastor Bruce Rama speaking. And so we're touching base with him and saying, well, do we have stuff we can help you with? And so it's this constant move. I have to make sure, my wife can address this, I leave church at church when we go home. So sometimes if you call me, it's because... We're playing a game of Catan at the house. Come on, somebody. Few people know what that is. Here you go. These are real. I developed cancer because you don't preach from the King James Version. These are real. I'm not making this up, guys. The reason people are not getting healed is because you don't do communion every Sunday. Okay, so if we're supposed to do communion, like if, you, if you get healed when you take communion, you better be taking it like for every meal. Get rid of your pizza. Did you see me waving in the back of the auditorium? You preached too long. It was time to eat. Dude, there's like donuts. Just go grab some and come back if you're that hungry. This one's my favorite. This one, this one I'm just going to let you interpret and I'm not even going to speak to it. I'm just going to share it. Pastor, we need a lingerie small group. Yeah, we're close, but we ain't that close. Um, huh. Can I tell you one thing about that one? I wasn't good. Can I? Can I, have your, can I just? That one wasn't one I found online. I hope you have a relaxing time at the youth retreat. It's like a vacation. That's to you, Pastor Derek. <laughs> You think you get vacation time? No, no, man. Youth retreat. Uh, These are some of the crazy ones. I just want to be real with you. Um, Some of the craziest, weirdest things, most stupidest things I've heard happen in the church. (laughs) Like, like sometimes I'm like, dude, like, I'm going to be careful here. Um, I really want to say some things, but I don't think I should. Um, They're not my notes, so I better stick to it. (laughs) The notes that wrote themselves. Um, when I was an associate pastor at a church, uh, at this church, it was a very charismatic church. And what I mean by that is it was one of those 
churches where, you know, the spirit flowed so much that you didn't know what time service was going to get over. And at the time, I loved that. I loved just worshiping for hours and hours and then listening to a message for like an hour and a half. I, I enjoyed that. And now I'm going, I want to reach people. And that just is not the way that I see God doing that today. But here's what happened. Um, I was the associate pastor. I was doing what Pastor Derek does here. And I was over youth and kids and whatever else the pastor asked me to do. And and so I was looking. I had a bunch of children's ministry volunteers. I had 60 children's ministry volunteers that I was coordinating. And I said, here's what I need us to do. I need us to have some kind of structure, some kind of plan, because all of my volunteers were getting frustrated because they didn't know what time service was ending. So just to give you an idea, let's say you're a kids' ministry person. How many in here help with our kids' ministry, by the way? Can you just put a hand up? Can we give these guys a hand? That's awesome. <laughs> kids and youth are the future of our church. Amen? So... Um, that's what it's about. They're not an afterthought. They're the focus. And so at this church, I wanted it to be the focus too. And so I had said, here's what we're going to do. Because sometimes service would go an hour and a half. Sometimes service would go two hours. The longest service I remember was about four and a half hours. So just imagine you're doing kids ministry. And, and it was fine. I mean, I, I, but my kids ministry teachers would come to me and they're like, pastor, I hate my life. I'm like, why? Because I'm stuck with your kids for four hours. I'm going, oh my gosh. Like, and I'm going, well, that should, so let's, let's come up with something. So I talked to the pastor, him and I got on the same page. And I said, can we do this from 1030 to 1130 during our service, since we're not sure when we're going to end, can we have children's ministry time? And the pastor, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And so during worship, we'd, we'd put a slide up on the screen and it would say children dismissed. We'd bring them back to the children's ministry wing. And then at 1130, we'd bring them back and make sure they found their parents. And, and everybody was happy, so I thought. A week after we started this, I'm sitting in my office, and a gentleman walks into my office, and he starts talking to me, and he goes, he goes, Pastor, I've got to talk to you. I said, what's up? He's like, because of you, you have stopped the Holy Spirit from working here. <laughs> Let's go. You know, I, I said, what do you mean? He's like, well... Because we put that slide up, all the kids leave, and it's ruining what the Spirit of God is doing here. I couldn't disagree more. And so what I said is, I said, man, you know, I'm really sorry, but the way I see it is this. I said, I want it to be life-giving to my volunteers. I, they're giving their life every Sunday to come back here and be with kids. And so I said, structurally, I think it makes sense to do this. I'm sorry you feel that way. And we had a conversation, finally, he, and he just went off. And finally I said to him, the rubber, you know, uh, uh, the rubber met the road, very hard. And I said to him, I said, here's the deal. I said, if you give me four weeks of being back there and can come tell me not to do that, then I'll, I'll listen. Not a chance I'm not going to leave my office. I'm going, okay. And so I think what happens, I share that story to say this. I want nothing best for the guy. And I love when the Holy Spirit moves. I love when spontaneous worship happens. I love that. I want that. I desire that. But I also want to respect people. There's a combination. That's a tricky part of being a leader. And so I think when we look at what we looked at last week, the whole reason we're looking at this is what would God do with a unified church body? Okay, what would he do? Look at what we're doing with the Christmas tree. Look at what we did in, in Woodbury Park. Look at what we're doing with, with other churches. You know, the city, you know, I got, the city this week actually shared and liked our Christmas Eve post. Like, I, God's doing some really cool things. That's awesome, you know? And we're not trying to cram anything down anyone's throat. We're just going, we're here for you. We want to walk alongside of you and go, what can we do to help? Isn't that supposed to be the church? Come on, somebody. Did you wake this morning? That's us. That's us. There's five purposes in the church. I'm going to put them up here for you. 
There's five different purposes. You can go ahead with the first one, or all, all of them here. First one is evangelism. We looked at this last week. That's, that's reaching people, telling people about Christ. There's fellowship. That's, man, I just like to hang out with people. Then there's discipleship. People are going, man, I just want to have a Bible study, man. I want to do this where we can get, you know, deeper theologically and we can learn about something within the Word of God. Then there's ministry and servant, doing good things, you know, helping the city, social justice, feeding the poor, doing the Christmas tree family that we're doing. And then worship and prayer. Some of us within this room, we're going, man, I wish we had a four-hour service Sunday morning. Some of you are going, I would leave, okay? And so you have all these different elements. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? None of them are wrong. But each of us has a bend towards one of these, okay? You right now, where you're sitting in your seat, all hundred of us right here, right now, each and every one of us has a bend towards one of them, and this is on purpose. God desired it to be this way for a purpose. If we want to have a balanced church, we can't be just about one of those. My bend's evangelism. So guess what? I have to surround myself with people that have these other ones. We need to do it all. Everyone has a purpose. And I said this last week, I want to repeat it today. We can go even so far if we have a bend towards one of these things, our pet purpose, where we can say, Pastor, a biblical church showcases my pet purpose every Sunday. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. We're going to talk about your pet purpose this morning, and we're going to finish this. But what happens is this. So we have all these. Go to this next one, would you? This next slide. Aww. Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? If you were here last week, you're already ahead of me. Um, go, go to the next one. Aww. Isn't that just, just, just adorable little kitty you just want to hold and snuggle? Oh, just wait. Go to the next one. Aww. It's my dog again. That's, that's spirit. That She's mine. Isn't she adorable? Yeah, she's just she's fun, man. All right. Okay, this is what happens when your pet gets rabid. Okay, it grabs a machine gun. And it puts the helmet on. It starts attacking other pets. Go to the next one. Okay, look at least. See, I mean, that is like one buff. Squ- is there one more or is that it? There's two more. Go, go to the next one. I love this. <laughs> look at Holly's my post lady. Look out, look out. And then the last one here. <laughs> Anybody's supposed to look like this in the morning when they haven't had their coffee? No, don't raise your, somebody raise their hand. All right, don't, don't do that. All right, just picking on you. What if you or I, our pet purpose became rabid? What would happen? What happens then is this, okay? What happens is we start picking churches, we start church shopping, we start going, well, what's, what's the church that really has my pet purpose rather than, pastor, I want to be stretched. Would you stretch me? I think that's what we should have. And so what happens is we start picking churches today based on formatting, based on, was it, is it, hymns or is it you know more modern is it contemporary is it rock do they do hip-hop do they do this do they not do this rather than going am i going to be stretched here we, could, we do it based on staffing well i believe they have to have a children's pastor they have to have this or based on budgeting how is all their budget laid out by the way you can look at our budget anytime you want how is the message put together well i want to see the message i want to see is is the message topical or is it expository and expository is just a fancy word for saying verse by verse of the bible let me just say this too as a warning be really careful in the Christian bookstore. Okay, there's still Christian bookstores, right? Are there? I, I go online all the time. Okay, I, I do get out, but I shop online. All right, and so if you walk into a Christian bookstore, if you go to CBD.com or Amazon.com, some of these books within these stores are literally foaming at the mouth. Okay, they are they are filled as a Pharisee book. They have rabid pets just jumping off the page. Do you know what an RTD is? That's what they have. 
religiously transmitted diseases. That's what they have. The religiously transmitted diseases. Okay? No more. No more. That, that's a rabid pet. There's entire podcasts dedicated to people's rabid pet. Don't listen. Please don't listen to that stuff. Many Christians, they want, they want what's called a deep church. Everybody, man, that's, that's one of the biggest things I hear, and I've heard it ever since I was in ministry. But deep church means so many different things, and so what I'll ask is, what's a deep church to you? And some people will tell me, what's well, a church that's about social justice? It's a church that has these types of messages. It's a church that has these types of small groups. Your answer to that question, think right now, if you had to define that, what's a deep church to you? Your answer to that question will often reveal your pet purpose, not that it's wrong to have one, it could be part of a calling that God has placed on your life. Just make sure your pet purpose doesn't become rabid, okay? All right? You ever wonder why the bridge is so fun, full of, full of life and energy? You ever wonder? Like, don't you think we're a little bit unique as a church? You ever wonder why? You ever wonder why it's not boring? You ever wonder why the worship team didn't fire me after the first song this morning? <laughs> you, you ever wonder why? Thank you guys, by the way. They sounded amazing, so thanks for putting up with me. You ever wonder why we're just so gracious and, and, pe- and it's an affirming atmosphere and, and it's a place where everybody can belong, whether it's the first time here, whether you've been here 100 years? Have you ever wondered? We haven't been here 100 years, by the way, just seven. It's because we've all learned, especially as a staff and an elder board, we've learned how to put our pets on leashes. We have to do that as a church. Sunday morning, it's not about the pastor snuggling your pet. No offense. Okay? It's not about you. Okay? It's all about me. No, it's not. It's all about Jesus. It's all about bringing honor to him through the calling that God has placed on our life, different kinds, five different purposes, coming together to make a balanced church. If you're with me, say yes. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, Paul was not talking about what, he, he was talking about, excuse me, what leads to peace, not about destruction, okay? He was saying, don't get sucked into debatable issues. Well, how long should worship be? How long should worship formats be? How long should this be? How, you know, is it deep enough? Was it like this? Was it like that? Did he touch on the end times enough? Did he not touch on the end? No, unfortunately, sometimes Christians like to destroy the work of God if it doesn't look exactly like they want it to look. Paul's summary of the entire book of Corinthians, he wrote Romans, he wrote the book of Corinthians, he wrote this to the Corinth church. And if you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, the entire book is about church format. The entire book is saying, hey, you're being kind of weird, like the Holy Spirit's moving in your church, but have some order because you're all like speaking in tongues and freaking people out. So he said, have some order to it so that people aren't weirded out by what's happening within the church. Paul said this, be open to the things of the Spirit, okay, but allow a visitor to come in and go, hey, I'm welcome here, I'm good. The whole book's about that. And so Paul's saying, there's this unity that's called to happen. He says, sometimes what happens to the book of Corinth, to the people in Corinth, he said what happens is the people within that book, they become these like hyper, super spiritual people. And they're going, man, we, we just, we got to do it all. And we just want, and, and Paul's saying, no, do it, but be balanced, have some order, be united. But he's saying, you think you're doing the things of the Holy Spirit, but he says, you're actually undermining and cutting what the Holy Spirit wants to do because you have that pet purpose. Does that make sense? That's what Paul was saying. And so this has been like an issue forever in the church. Check this out. 
Turn with me, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. I want you to catch this this morning, okay? Before we start, before we start looking at Acts chapter 15, let me just give you just a few little background things to make this story come alive. I don't want you to check out with me. Sometimes we say, turn the Bible, we check out. I want you to put yourself in the story. Like, imagine yourself here, okay? So you're back to the early church days. The church was just, um, just established, and they're starting to talk about doctrine. They're starting to talk about things of the Holy Spirit. They're starting to talk about all these issues that used to be Jewish issues, and they're starting to talk about all these issues that are Gentile issues. Maybe you've heard of Jew and Gentile. A Jew is simply somebody who has Jewish heritage or is, you know, basically following the letter of the law. They're saying, I want to be, you know, Jewish. They might not have Jewish in their blood, but a Jew typically does. A Gentile person, which is probably all of us, if not most of us here, is a non-Jewish person, okay? You and I are likely Gentiles. And so the Bible uses that word quite a bit. And so the Jews were God's chosen people. But when we read the book of Acts... Here's what's interesting. In the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit in chapter 2 is poured out for who? Who's it poured out for? For everyone. It's poured out for women. It's poured out for men. It's poured out for the Jew. It's poured out for the Gentile. It's poured out for the slave. It's poured out for the free. We read that in Galatians chapter 3. And so the Holy Spirit's poured out for all. For every, everybody say all. Poured out for Pour out for all, not just the person next to you, not the hyper-spiritual person, not the person that seems like it's got all together, not the person that seems to receive things from the Holy Spirit and manifest. No, pour it out for, for all. And so all of a sudden what happened is the Jews were going, hey, we're living a certain way. And these Gentiles, they're not living a certain way. And they're going, well, there's a problem. And the, the Jews are getting frustrated during this time because, remember, they're following the letter of the law. Gentiles aren't. They're going, man, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. And so you've got all these people going, we're saved by grace. And then all the Jews saying, yeah, that's fine, but do the law. Do all the festivals. Eat like we do. No more, no more pork. You know, all, all of that. No more seafood. You can't have shellfish. And, and they're going, wait, what, what are you talking about? We just read in Romans. It's not about a matter of eating and drinking, is it? We just read that. And so what happened in that day when big things had to be discussed, they'd get together in a council and they would discuss them, and the early church would come to an agreement on what to do with it. And so they had a big issue that they could not figure out. And so this, this uh, council got together in the book of Acts, chapter 15 right here, and just listen to this. Verses 1 and 2. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Just imagine for a moment, okay? Just think about this. You're sitting there. Imagine if you're going, okay, the only way to be saved is I have to be circumcised. If you're an older guy during that time, how are you doing with that? Hopefully it's scaring you a little bit, you know? I don't think their anesthesia was as good as we have it today. In fact, they didn't have it, you know? Tough times, man. If you're not following me, man, I'm sorry, because that's funny stuff. There wouldn't have been a pig roast. No pig roast. We do pig roast on the time to time. Put yourselves in their shoes. They're going, well, what do we do here? Because the Jews are going, we're trying to follow it just right. We're God's chosen people. And, the, and now these guys, these crazy Gentile people that don't even have our blood, they're called too? Uh-huh. So what do we do with that? But they each had their little pet purpose and they had to get to a place where they laid that pet at the altar to die. They needed to, and maybe, 
maybe you think, well, they had to get it just right. They had to figure out theologically what was right. They have to have it down just pat. I think it's the same of saying today, in our context, well, if someone's life isn't perfect, then the Holy Spirit can't move in their life. Some, I've, I've heard that before. Who's more powerful, broken life or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. We're not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. Acts, just a few verses down, verses 8 and 9. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. Talking about you and me, the Gentiles. Just as he did to us, the Jews. He made what? He made no distinction between us and them. For he purified their hearts by circumcision. By faith. Could you imagine if it went the other way? By faith. The Holy Spirit was with the early church. Things haven't changed. These issues still come up. There's no distinction though. If you read Galatians chapter 3, there's no distinction between whom the Holy Spirit is poured out for, whether you're male or female, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you are a slave or whether you're free, it doesn't matter anymore. The Holy Spirit's been poured out for you. Here's what we have to do, and this is kind of where I want to wrap up here in just a few minutes. Every single one of you has a pet purpose. We, we do. And what I want to do is your pastor, if you'll let me, I want to find a dog park for your pet to run wild. Okay? I don't want it to be chained up. I want your pet to have freedom. There's structure to that freedom, but every pet, you know, needs that. Let, let me explain. Sunday morning's not the place for, for all the pets, but maybe, maybe one of the things for you is worship. Maybe you're like, I just want to get lost in, in worship. I just want to sing of his love forever and ever and ever. And if that's you, great. Guess what? January 20th, we're doing that kind of worship night. We're having a worship night. Becca Saffron's going to be leading. It's going to be incredible. If you're like, I just need to get lost in worship, better be here that night. Okay? That, that's a dog park for your dog to just run wild. <laughs> Have fun. Okay? If you go, man, Sunday morning is just not prophetic enough for me. No, no one gives prophecies. No one comes up on stage and shares a word or this or that and, or the other thing. And you go, I just, I just want to prophesy over people. Well, find like-minded individuals within the church and go grab lunch together. Start prophesying over each other. Start talking or listening or learning about prophecy. I know some older guys within our church that did this. And they've established some really cool relationships where they talk about prophecy. And they love, like, talking about end times. Like, they, like, geek out on it. And I'm going, that is their dog park, you know? It, it looks a little bit like Taco Bell, but it's their dog park. And they love it. Maybe you're going, that's just not deep enough. Sunday morning's not deep enough. I want to... I want to get into the soteriology of the theology in which you hold to. In other words, what does salvation actually mean? What does the study of God look like? I want, you, want to like you want to go so deep theologically that most people in the church look at you like you're crazy because you're talking like nutso. There are other people within the church that love going like that with you. Take them out to lunch. I know a couple of families that have hooked up and they love it. I go and I listen to them. What they're talking about is over my head, man. And I'm like, that's their dog park and their dogs are running wild. That's okay. That's okay. For many of us, we're not thinking about balance when it comes to church and reaching people. We're thinking about our pet. And that's okay. But if it gets rabbit, then it's too far. When we have a pet purpose, it's typically because God is doing something in your life right now. If you're like, I just need the presence of God. That's why worship and prayer is so important to you. If you just recently got saved, if you recently gave your life to Christ, evangelism is probably really important because you're going, I want people to experience this freedom that I have. If you're going, I've been saved a long time and 
Pastor Chris, I, you can't share a story out of the Bible that I don't know. You're probably in a place going, I need discipleship. We're all at different places and that's okay. But realize that there's many of us at different places, not just one of us. And so if you want to be a good leader, if you want to be a good Christian, think big picture. Think big picture. And so let me, let me kind of close with this. What I want to do, and you hear me say all the time, the kind of church I want us to be, and we are, by the way, is we are going to be a what kind of church? A life, life-giving church. That's our mission. Life-giving church. Somebody just says it, says it on our shirts. You're right, it does. Yeah, I love that. And I've talked about what that means. Here's what I want to give you. The Vikings are playing later today, okay? And so, so thinking in football terminology, just for a moment, what's a touchdown for us as a church? How do we know like we succeeded as a church? When we were first starting, we said, how do we define success as a church? If you own a business, what do you look at? A P&L statement. If you, you, you know, you can look at, is our profit more than our loss or whatever, or, you know, what we're spending and all of that. It does, it's not like that in a church or a nonprofit. What we have to do is go, are we being obedient to what God has called us to be? That's the first element. But then how do we hold ourselves accountable knowing that we're obedient? Follow? Okay, let me say it one more time. If you follow, say yes. If you don't say anything, I'm going to assume you didn't follow. <laughs> yes, we follow. Don't say it again. Okay? Success is being obedient to Christ, but then there has to be an accountability to that obedience. Do you follow? Okay, so what's our touchdown as a church? How do we know we're being obedient? Four things. I want you to glue these to your mind and your heart and your memory. You're going to hear me speak these over and over the next year. Number one is this. This needs to be a place where people can come to Christ. Okay? Number two, if people are coming to Christ, then we get all pumped up and we get excited and we, we shout for joy every, every time it happens. There's a reason at the end of service, many times I will ask people to raise their hand because I can tell who's recommitted or committed their life to Christ. Sometimes I say, close your eyes. Don't, look around, see what's happening. It's pretty cool, okay? If there's a Sunday, and you can ask my wife this, where somebody doesn't give their life to Christ or we don't have somebody new, I get mopey. Because I'm like, then we're just doing church. We're not being the church. I want to be the church. You want to be the church with me? Good. Please, I, I want you all to be the church. Second is this, finding freedom. How many here, just by a show of hands, have found some kind of freedom since you have been coming to the church? It's about half the hands up right now. Me too. I want other people where they can come in those doors and the spirit of heaviness can come off of them. What, who knows their background? Who cares? Number three, Knowing your purpose. I hear so many times people are like, I just don't know how to dream anymore. Or they go, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just here to survive. My prayer is for everyone in the church to thrive, to know that purpose and to live it out. You get one life, man. Number four, getting involved. You know, selfishly, I want you to get involved in the church, but get involved in the community, get involved in the city. I, there's many people here this morning involved. I can see you involved in our city, involved in our school district, involved in the community that are sitting here right now. You've gotten involved. And so how do we do that? If doing these four things, that's a balanced church. I'm gonna invite uh, Darcy on up here just to play behind me as we bring the service to a close. There are entire podcasts, entire things that rip on other churches. Churches that are not far from us that are teaching what's wrong with our denomination. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I'm going, That's, that, that pet is now rabid. And guess what, pastor of that church? You know what's going to happen? When he gets up to heaven someday and I get up to heaven someday and you get up to heaven someday and his congregation gets up to heaven someday, 
there's not going to be a little room for them and a little room for us. We're going to be together. Better start listening to some Catholic music, man. I'm just saying, all right? We're going to get there. Oh, it's, it's going to be like rock and music. No, you know what? We're going to be there together, united as one body under Christ. It's not about Assembly God Church. It's not about a Lutheran church or a Baptist church or a Methodist church or an Ephraim church or a Catholic church or a Protestant church or a Reformed church or whatever kind of church where they preach Jesus. If you know Jesus, he set you free. We're going to be together with them. Any person or any church that divides is not doing the Father's business. Okay? The Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so let me ask, personally, does our behavior model the devil or does it model the father? Individually and corporately. Does my pet purpose model the enemy or does it model the creator? We're called to model the creator with our pet purpose. And let me just say this. There are bigger fish to fry, okay, than church service formats. Way bigger, way bigger fish to fry. And here's something that just... Man, just got a hold of my heart recently in the last couple weeks is this. 82,000. 82,000 people in a 24-hour span worldwide pass away. 82,000 people. Just to give you an idea, it's a little bigger than the city of Coon Rapids. Every day, a city the size of, of Coon Rapids of people dies. Every day. Are all 82 of those people, 82,000 of those people, are they, are, do they know Christ? Are they going to heaven? And yet we get sucked into, well, was worship long enough? Was this long enough? Is, am I at the church that I like? Is it, is it more of a performance? Is it more this? Is it more that? Who cares? Don't let the pet get rabid. God's put you in that place for a reason. So we've got to change our minds on these things. We have to have a different approach towards unity. Okay, some of you have to lay down your pet at the altar of unity, okay? But let me just say this. Unity is not based on uniformity of thought. That, that would be called a cult, okay? We're not, if you're called to think alike, that's, that's, that's cultish behavior, okay? Uniformity of thought, that's not what unity is. Unity is simply based on love. That's all it is. It's loving people right where they're at. This has been a podcast of the Griggs Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.